So hey everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder and CEO of Black Spectacles. In today's episode, we will review several construction and evaluation mock exam questions with uh, uh, Black Spectacles CE video lecturer, April Drake. Um, she's on here and she's gonna be an awesome session. Uh, we're gonna go through five questions that cover uh, knowledge and skills on the CE exam that relate to bidding and negotiating processes support of the construction process and evaluation of completed projects. So should be a really good uh, session. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Black Spectacles is the first ever NCARB approved online test prep provider for all six of the ARE divisions. We offer comprehensive test prep for the ARE with video lectures, practice exams, flashcards, and virtual workshops. And it's all available online with memberships uh, available either for individual architects or firms or AI chapters or schools. If you, if you want to learn more, you can go to blackspectacles.com and uh, learn about uh, all those things that we offer there. We're also proud to say we're the first uh, test prep provider to offer an ARE guarantee. We're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, you will pass the ARE. And if you don't, we're putting our money where our mouth is and paying for your retake. Uh, so to learn more about how to qualify for the guarantee, go to blackspectacles.com and uh, under the heading ARE prep, you'll find all the information about our ARE guarantee. We have some super exciting uh, developments around our ARE study materials actually. So in addition to upgrading our construction and evaluation study materials, um, we've also recently upgraded our virtual workshops. These changes are gonna bring our material um, and the lessons and the exercises uh, that you find in the virtual workshops even closer in alignment with NCARB standards. They feature a new design for our presentations and provide you with a clearer set of expectations prior to joining the workshops. We've made these changes so you can sort of focus on mastering the material for each division. And we, we've been seeing some very, very positive feedback. So I think you guys are gonna really love uh, the adjustments we've made there. Uh, and of course, you can join the virtual workshops when you have an expert level membership. So if you wanna learn more about that, again, you can go to blackspectacles.com uh, and read all about that. Uh, as I mentioned, we have group memberships as well. So as I like to say, to learn more about how you can get your whole firm on a membership, uh, uh, on a firm membership and have your boss pay for it, you can go to blackspectacles.com and head to our pricing section. Uh, we just posted a link for that uh, in the chat box. At our next ARE Live broadcast, which will be on March 17th of 2022, we're excited to introduce a brand new episode format where we're actually gonna revisit a number of questions about structural design that you might see across three different exams. So PPD, PDD, and PA. So uh, with a fresh look at how to approach these questions, uh, we're gonna be joined by an expert in the field who will share their testing strategies on these specific topics. So I think it's gonna be a really good one. Um, you guys know um, structures is always scary. At least it was scary for me. Um, so uh, uh, the idea here is that we'll work to uh, try to kind of um, give you some extra time on that, on those particular topics. Um, today, we're going to be engaging exclusively in our ARE uh, community, so head over to that if you haven't already. That's community.blackspectacles.com. Um, we just shared a, a link in the chat box, so you can um, just click there and it'll go straight there. Um, or uh, when you get onto the community homepage, look for the section that says ARE Live, and uh, you'll find today's episode there. And everybody, here's what's cool. Everyone who posted in that thread today will be eligible to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. So you don't even have to have a fancy question, just say hi and um, yeah, and then you'll be entered in uh, to win a free t-shirt. Uh, and don't forget to uh, stay tuned until the end of the podcast to see if you won. 
So let's see, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, April Drake. In addition to being the new construction and evaluation lecturer with Black Spectacles, April is a senior project architect at HDR and one of the first 400 African-American licensed women in the country. And with that, April, I will hand it off to you. Thanks, Mark. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Awesome. Um, thank you all so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, but I have to say I'm a little nervous doing this live. <laughs> um, but I'm sure we'll push through with everyone being on mute. Um, I'm sure I'll be able to get through it as if I'm in a room by myself. <laughs> That's um, right. Just wanted to add to that as well. I do currently have two projects in construction right now. Both are government facilities. So I'm gonna try my best to keep my terminology aligned with everyone on the line as things can vary between the public and private sector. Um, but, with, but if not, just kind of chime in and I'll make sure and clarify anything as well. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and get started. So as Mark said, we're going to go through five questions to help you better prepare for the CE division of the ARE. Let's just go ahead and go on to question one. A contractor is reviewing the architect's comments on a casework submittal that the architect has marked as revise and resubmit. The architect marked up the shop drawings to show HVAC, HVAC, mechanical, however you want to say it, all of them um, are the same, registers and the toe kicks and added recessed lighting inside the casework. The HVAC registers were shown on the contract documents, but the recessed lighting was not. How should the contractor proceed with processing this submittal? Option A, request that the architect issue a construction change directive. Option B, request that the architect prepare a change order. C, request that the owner adjust the contract sum and schedule and D, request that the subcontractor provide the additional items at no cost. Right away, you should probably see two potentially correct and two incorrect answers. Um, before I provide the correct response, let's go through the question and a few definitions. So for starters, you're looking at a submittal that you have marked up as an architect. While reviewing, you notice that the subcontractor missed the mechanical registers but you, the architect, missed the lighting. And that's really the key here. The lighting was not in your documents to start with. So you've added it to the submittal, but since this is technically an omission on your part, that's not enough to get the GC moving. So what's next? How do you want the GC to process this submittal? So before we move forward, let's eliminate the two incorrect answers. Option C is incorrect because a contractor should never go straight to the owner. And option D, we know a subcontractor is not going to provide lighting at no additional cost. So this leaves us with option A and option B, where we should go through the differences between a construction change directive and a change order. So a construction change directive is a written order prepared by the architect and signed by the owner and architect that directs a change in the work. This is typically used when there is not an agreement between the owner and contractor. Sometimes that disagreement can be on the contract time or sum. I've typically used this when we're pressed for time and we just don't have the availability to go through and negotiate the price with the GC or maybe the GC's process is really just 
too long and we need to go ahead and get this building into substantial completion right away. So we'll issue a directive. The GC will perform the work and the contract sum can be negotiated at a later date. I've also been lucky where I haven't had to issue a CCD in a contentious situation or project where there is a true disagreement between the owner and contractor. For this reason, this is usually not your first step or solution to a change. At the end of the day, you really do want all parties to agree, which brings us to our correct answer. So option A, not our first step, not how the GC should proceed. So our correct answer is option B, requested the architect prepare a change order. And so why is that? Well, a change order is an amendment to the construction contract signed by the owner architect and contractor authorizing a change in the work, an adjustment to the contract sum or the contract time or both. In this case, the architect should prepare a change order, modifying the work to include that recessed lighting. The contractor will provide a price, note any change in time, maybe there's an additional lead time on the fixture, and the owner, contractor, and architect will all sign for the adjustment. All right, let's go ahead and go on to question two. And we can always come back to question one if there are any um, comments. On question two, an architect and owner are preparing to enter into an agreement for a new construction residential project. They're discussing the responsibilities of the architect under the standard AIA B101. According to AIA document B101, the architect's basic services and general responsibilities include which of the following? Check the three that apply. Option A, retain the following engineers as consultants, structural, mechanical, civil. B, maintain workers' compensation insurance at statutory limits. C, include the owner as an additional insured on their commercial general liability policy. D, provide multiple preliminary designs. E, conduct an inspection to determine the date of substantial completion. F, engage a surveyor to prepare a survey of the property. Now, I know AIA B101 is a very long document. And even if you're provided with the resources during the exam, it's still best to have a general idea of what's in this contract. You don't have to memorize it, but you just need to know a little bit about what's there so that you can easily get through questions like this on the exam. So remember for this question, as we go through the comments, we're looking at the architect's basic services and general responsibilities. Let's not think about supplemental services. Make sure we are just looking at basic services that our architect should provide based on this document. So let's go through each option one at a time to see if we can identify three correct answers. Option A, retain the following engineers as consultants, structural, mechanical, civil. I was all set to say that this was a correct response until I got to civil. Per B101, 1.1.9.2, the owner hires civil engineers. Now civil engineers can be hired by the architect as a supplemental service but remember, for this question, we're only asking about an architect's basic services. 
Therefore, A is incorrect. Option B, maintain workers' compensation insurance at statutory limits. Now, if I put on my business owner hat, this definitely sounds like a basic service to me. Without insurance, my employees could get hurt on a job site and try to sue the owner. You can also find that this is a correct answer in B101, section 2.5.4. So B is correct. Option C, include the owner as an additional insured on their commercial general liability policy. Again, keeping my business owner hat on, this also sounds like a basic service. Looking at B101, if you look at section 2.5.7, by naming the owner as an additional insured on the architect CGL policy, the architect CGL policy will also cover the owner's interest and in claims against the architect that fall under that policy. So again, option C would be a correct answer. So now that we have two correct answers, we're just looking for that third one to finish this question. Option D, provide multiple preliminary designs. Is that really a basic service to do multiple? While we typically go through multiple iterations of a design to arrive at a presentable solution, providing multiple preliminary designs is actually a supplemental service you can see this in B101 and section 4.1.1.2. Also take a look at section 3.2.4. It states that the architect shall present a preliminary design to the owner as part of their basic services. So option D is incorrect. All right, so we're still looking for that final answer. Option E. Conduct an inspection to determine the date of substantial completion. Now, what I know about inspections and substantial completion, I would say this one is correct. You can actually find this in B101, section 3.6.6.1.1. Now, remember, field visits aren't inspections, but determining the date of substantial completion is done by an inspection by the architect. So this one is correct. While we're here, we might as well keep going and go through option F. And so that way I can tell you why that one is incorrect. So option F is incorrect for a similar reason as to why option A is incorrect. Typically the owner is responsible for hiring all consultants dealing with the property or site. You know, as we determine in option A, it can be a supplemental service, but again, this question is asking about basic services. Now, going back to option F, according to section 5.4 in B101, the owner hires a surveyor. The architect should give the owner a list of survey requirements so they can ensure that everything they need is included in the survey. So option F is incorrect. So for question two, our three choices are option B, option C, and option E. Not hearing any questions, I'm gonna move on to question three. An architect is preparing a field report after a recent site visit. One of the items they notice is that the handrails on the main lobby stair were provided in a painted metal finish. 
whereas the construction documents called for a wooden cap on the handrail. After bringing the issue up to the owner, the owner wishes to keep the currently installed handrail. How should the architect proceed? A, note it as an exception to the certificate of substantial completion. B, refuse to accept the change. C, issue an addendum to reflect the change to the handrail. So remember this question is asking, how should the architect proceed? What should we do in this situation? Also remember that the owner has the right to accept non-conforming work. But let's not overthink this one. What exactly is the owner accepting? So the owner is looking at the main stair lobby and they're actually going to accept a painted metal finish that will probably chip in six months over a probably nicely stained wooden cap that you had in your documents. Huh? But it's their right to accept it. Again, this is just a wooden cap and it's just that was not installed. It's just a finish. It's not a life safety issue. If this was a life safety issue or a building code issue, then you would have an ethical obligation to convince the owner to correct it, or you would need to contact your local AHJ. NCARP's rules of conduct outline your responsibilities as an architect when the owner wants to accept non-conforming work. So make sure you review that document before your exam. But again, going back to this question, it's just a finish. So let's go through the options, starting from the bottom. Option C is issue an addendum to reflect the handrail. Addendums are typically submitted during a bidding phase, not to, do, not to document non-conforming work. So option C is incorrect. Option B, refuse to accept the change. <laughs> While we wish that we could refuse this, because again, we did not want that painted metal finish that we know is going to chip, we actually designed a nicely stained wooden cap. Unfortunately, as we stated, the owner has the right to accept it in this case. So option B is incorrect. That just leaves us with option A, which is where you will note this change as an exception to certificate of substantial completion. All right, not hearing any questions from Mark. I'm gonna go on to option or question yeah, so four. So far, so good. All right, so I'm gonna go on to question four and we'll stay here a little bit because we'll go into some of these details as well. So question four, refer to this excerpt from a shop drawing recently submitted to the architect's office for their review. Which of the following subcontractors likely submitted this shop drawing to the general contractor. A, miscellaneous metals, B, masonry, C, curtain wall, or D, insulation and waterproofing. So let's just for a second hang out on this detail and just go through a little bit about what we have. We know that we have uh, a seal detail based on what's stated here at the bottom. We have everything that is essentially listed in our options, but let's just see where they are. So we know that we have here a masonry. 
it's grouted. We have another layer of solid grout here. Our insulation is back here in this one. And you may not be able to see it, but I know where it is. Our waterproofing is also here lining the wall. We have our structural angle, anchor, a couple of other anchors here for the curtain wall, sealant. So this is interior sealant, but then we also have some exterior sealant here. Then we have our curtain wall seal. I think there's some shims up under here as well, making sure that it's sitting in the right place. And then we have our glazing there. Not one of our options, but it is sitting there. But what I'm noticing as I go through this detail, all of our dimensions, all of the notes are actually pointing to the curtain wall. I don't see anything about our masonry. I don't see anything about the size, what type. I know that this is ground face block, but you know, there's nothing about it here. So I'm going to think to myself, this can't be a masonry shop drawing. Insulation and waterproofing, hmm. If I look very closely here, you all may not be able to see it, but right there it says waterproofing uh, membrane by others. So that would actually lead me to say, this is definitely not my waterproofing and my insulation submittal. Next, we have some miscellaneous metals that are located throughout this detail, but I don't have any notes or anything about the size of this angle, the depth of the anchor bolts, nothing that allows me to truly approve what's happening in this detail. So I'm gonna have to say that this is probably not miscellaneous metals either. But if I take a closer look again, Everything about this detail when it comes to the curtain wall is called out. Everything about the dimensions are here. All the different notes about all of the interior components of the system are there for me to review and make sure that they align with my original design intent. Even the flashing is here, even though I believe there's a note up there that is going to say by others, but everything is there. So I'm going to say that this is actually my curtain wall shop drawing. If you all are looking at this and you can see it, this is, you know, this one was probably a little easy to determine because the curtain wall was darker where the rest of it was lighter. But remember on an exam, everything is going to be the same weight, uh, the same line weight. So you wouldn't have that, that easy distinction there. So you just wanna make sure and look at where are all my notes going to this detail and where are my notes not at on this detail and if they're not on your masonry if they're not in your installation then this can't be that submittal this has to be a submittal for the items and the elements that are actually notated and that would be your curtain wall all right We'll stay here a little bit as well, but let's go through question five. Refer to this drawing, which is included in an architect's construction document set. Which of the following components of this detail are likely to be installed last? A, roof membrane flashing. B, terracotta coping. 
or C, two inch rigid insulation? Oh, nope, sorry. Or D, galvanized bent plate. So we actually have four options here. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go actually all the way around this detail and then we'll start to circle the elements um, that are in our that are there for our, um, for us to choose from. So I'm gonna skip over top of terracotta coping to begin with, and then we'll come back to that. So I'm gonna start on the right-hand side of this detail. So there's definitely some continuing flashing that's located up underneath the coping, but that's not one of our options there. We do have our rain screen substructure and our terracotta um, panels here as well, um, but those aren't our, um, part of our options either. The third one, galvanized bent plate, huh, that's one of our options. So that is pointing all the way up here. All right, and it looks like it's on top of something, but underneath some other pieces. So let's keep going and see if we can determine what those other pieces are um, based on our detail. Uh, we have our rain screen vertical structure, our mineral wool insulation, and our air barrier. Sorry, I can't draw a straight line today, as well as some of our exterior sheathing. Now, those aren't any of our options, so, ugh, okay. Then we go to roof membrane flashing. Huh, that's one of our options. So if I follow the line, that is going to be this here. That dotted line goes all the way up and then it's actually underneath the coping, but on top of our galvanized bent plate. Then moving down, we have our cold form metal framing here. Not one of our options though. So now moving to the left side, we have our bat insulation and then our two inch rigid insulation, which is one of our options. So that's located here, but that's located behind our roof membrane flashing and underneath our galvanized bent plate. Next up, we have another layer of sheathing, lots of sheathing and more flashing, of course, on this side of the coping. And then last but not least, we have our terracotta coping. Now I've had to determine which of these was put on last. We know that the galvanized bent plate is on top of the roof membrane. So the galvanized bent plate is not going to be the last thing put on. The roof membrane did go under the galvanized plate, but it didn't go on top of the coping. Coping went on top of that. So I'm going to say that probably option A is not it either. Our two inch rigid insulation is wrapped around our sheathing and underneath our galvanized bent plate. So uh, that can't be it either. And it is option B, which I'm sure most of you have already determined because your coping is actually what is protecting um, this, the top of your parapet and your roof membrane, roof membrane um, and the rest of your wall from getting wet. So that is going to be the last thing that is put on top um, here as well. 
So we went through that one. April, I love your sound effects <laughs> as you're going through this and like the exasperated sounds when you're uh, wrestling with this is, is fun. Well, you know, that's some of the things that I do, even just going through details, um, going yeah. and talking to the team, we have to talk through solutions and they're always, they're not always what we would want, um, you know, to have, but at the end of the day, that's the way that it must be done and it can frustrate all of us. Um, but it's so it's nice. I, I kind yep. of put that out there so that everybody can understand some of the frustrations that we go through. <laughs> so um, but the last thing I'll also say about, um, you know, question five is I know some of you all were probably asking yourself, like, why do I need to understand, um, you know, the sequencing of construction? You know, what's going first or what's going last now? You know, please remember you're not responsible for means and methods, but understanding the sequence and construction can definitely help you with your decision making um, uh, thoughts and processes when you're uh, during that CA phase. That is awesome, April. Um, there is a question here. I think I might throw your way. Um, I think it's it's a uh, well. Let me just say it. Uh, can you please elaborate on what substantial com what the substantial completion exception is? Would the contract documents be modified at all? Is it treated as a minor change in work? Can you talk about that? I think that was from an earlier um, an earlier. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, that was actually from question three. So um, Mark, jump in if I don't get all the different parts of that question. So your certificate of substantial completion. The contractor is going to um, notify the architect and the owner that they feel like that they are substantially complete with the project. That means that for the most part, the project is done. They may have after this, um, they may have a little bit to do. But all of your major elements, mechanical, um, electrical, um, all of your architectural elements, all your walls are put in place, all of your inspections are done. So you've passed inspection, you're ready to, um, the contract is ready to have, um, ready for the owner to occupy the building. But you as an architect must go out and inspect the building and say that you agree with the contractor that they are substantially complete. So you take your drawings out to the site with you and you're just, you're going through, you're observing um, and you're inspecting. You're actually gonna take majority of your engineers if they haven't already gone out. A lot of times your engineers will go out earlier before walls and things are closed up, before ceilings are closed up. So your engineers have already done their substantial completion um, part of the project. A lot of times the last part is just really for the architect to do. So you're going to go out, you're going to truly do an inspection. So I actually am going to take back my word of observing because that's what you do in your field visits. You observe. But in substantial completion, you are actually doing an inspection. You're verifying that everything that you put in the drawings is actually now in that building. And so at the end of the day, once you've done that, there are going to be a couple of things that are are noted as potentially non-conforming work. And those items would need to be replaced um, by the contractor before they, um, before the completely end of the project, the final inspection. So you have substantial completion, then your final inspection at the end. 
So those items would be noted and then the contractor would fix them before the final inspection. Well, on that form, I believe it's G704 if you're using an AIA form, um, but a lot of companies have their own form for a substantial completion. On that form, you're going to note that one of the accepted items of non-conforming work would have been this handrail finish. And you would just write that in and, um, at the bottom of your paragraph um, after you've listed all the other items um, that may be non-conforming or may need to be uh, re-inspected. And you just list that in, you know, painted metal finish, approved by owner, and you should have the date that it was approved by owner in your note somewhere. Um, and then all the parties would sign that. And then you would move on to doing your punch list. Um, and then during your punch list, um, once all those items are fixed, then you will have your final inspection. And then your um, owner can completely move in and everything is under their uh, reign at that point. Perfect. Thank you, April. Um, and I think that brings most of our questions to a close over in our community. Uh, Darian Ziegler, thank you for answering. Uh, she's our uh, licensed architect who's um, uh, helping uh, answer some additional questions. And she's uh, nailed all of them as we've we've gone along. So that's uh, that was the last outstanding one. So April, thank you so much for um, for leading us through this discussion today. Uh, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to our next ARE Live broadcast on March 17th of 2022, where we'll revisit a number of questions about structural design uh, that you might see in the PPD, PDD, and PA exams. Um, with a fresh new look at sort of how to approach these questions, we're gonna be joined by an expert in the field who will share strategies about how to think about structural design. Um, so be sure to RSVP for that. I just posted the link uh, to register for that in the chat box, or you can just go to blackspectacles.com slash ARE-live to sign up. As I mentioned at the top of the webinar, we've launched our ARE guarantee. We're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, you'll pass the ARE, and if you don't, we'll pay for your retake. So to learn more about how to qualify for the, uh, for the guarantee, or to check out our individual memberships and see what kinds of materials we offer, you can go to blackspectacles.com. And I just shared the link about that. And as always, I like to say, if you'd like to get your whole firm on a membership um, and have your boss pay for it, go to blackspectacles.com slash firms and uh, learn more about uh, You can reach out um, uh, through that link and, uh, and one of our colleagues uh, will share more information about that. The lucky winner of a Black Spectacles t-shirt today is Laura H. Laura will reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. And just a reminder, if you'd like to be eligible to win a free t-shirt, of course, post a question you have about you know, our feature topic in the community during ARE Live. But also our community is not just about free t-shirts. It's, uh, there's always, you know, it's designed for you to go ask your questions um, that you might have about topics on the ARE. It's also designed, um, you know, it, going through the exams can be uh, a pain. Um, it can be demoralizing sometimes. And uh, there's some great stories in our ARE community uh, about folks who have gone through the process just like you're going through it. Um, and who have faced adversity uh, throughout the process and figured out how to overcome it. So uh, also that's just sort of the second reason why that community exists and is there for you. So it's a free community, so you can um, uh, check it out. And we even post a free practice quiz question for each division in the community every month. So again, uh, give you a little more opportunity to get some, uh, you know, a couple extra reps um, as you're going through the process of getting licensed. And finally, please sh uh, be sure to stick around for a few minutes to take our survey. Uh, and share any suggestions that you may have. We use it um, 
we use uh, the feedback that you guys provide in that to uh, refine uh, our ARA live episodes, uh, which actually is part of uh, what we've been doing or what we're going to be doing uh, next uh, session um, is a result of the feedback you guys have provided. So um, again, hang out uh, just for two minutes, answer a couple of questions. Uh, I promise we read every word that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. Thanks for watching.